Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, What Would Jesus Undo? In this series, we'll open ourselves up to discover the knots in our lives that Jesus wants to undo so that we can live an authentic faith. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Morning, Valleybrook. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is David Seiler. I'm the student pastor here, and I'm excited to be here this morning and um, share God's word with you and maybe share a few stories and let you learn uh, a little bit more about me as well. Um, so when I was in middle school, some different bracelets came out, and basically, if you were a Christian, you had one, and if you didn't have one, then it was like, why don't you have one? because that was something that everyone had, and they said WWJD, and it stood for what would Jesus do? And the idea was that, you know, before you said something wrong or did something, you would look down at your wrist and say, oh, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't do that, because you ask yourself the question, what would Jesus do? Um, You know, of course, it became kind of a big, like, fashion statement and and things like that, but but that that was the whole goal, is what would Jesus do in this situation? Um, something that you may or may not know about me, my wife can definitely attest to this, and so can some students, is I don't like to share food. Um, and so um, once I'm done eating, if there's food left over, then I'll gladly pass it on to someone else. Like, I'm not going to let it go to waste. But while I'm eating, I don't like to, to share food. Um, if you If I'm sitting at a table with you and you reach over and try to take some of my fries, I'll slap your hand away. And if I don't slap your hand away, I will at least give you like an awkward stare until you apologize or like offer to give it back or or whatever. Apparently some people in first service didn't actually believe me because afterwards I had several people come up to me like, I want to have a meal with you and I want to see what happens if I try to take your food. (laughs) Like, I don't think that's actually going to happen. All right, well, you, you can just try me. Um, so, you know, along with that, me not like, liking to share food, I'm, I'm trying to be healthier. One of the jokes in youth, past, in youth ministry is that if you're a youth pastor, all you do is eat pizza and drink Mountain Dew, and that's, like, pretty much it because we have pizza at, like, every event and, and all of that. But I'm trying to be healthier. As a, as a new father, I'm trying to, you know, eat better and eat, like real food and have food that's not all fried and drink things like cold water and juice and things like that. But occasionally, I still go back to my, to my old ways. Um, a few weeks ago, I went and got McDonald's. I don't know why. I don't really even like McDonald's, but there's just a couple of times a year where my body, for some reason, tells me I want McDonald's. And so I go and get McDonald's, and just like as I did when I was a child, I get the chicken McNuggets. I know the, those aren't the most like adult meals that you can get at McDonald's, but that's what I like, so that's what I get. And so I was here, I was um, eating my McNuggets, and um, there was a middle schooler, and they said, hey, can I have one? And I said, no. Like, <laughs> like why would I give you one? Like, these are, these are my McNuggets. Like, I don't, I don't share my McNuggets with other people. And... They thought they would be smart. They thought they would kind of like guilt me as as a minister into giving them some of my food. And they said, what would Jesus do? And I just thought, first of all, 
Jesus probably wouldn't be eating the chicken McNuggets from McDonald's. Like, that's, like that's, the, that's the first thing. He'd probably have food that was better than the chicken McNuggets, which isn't too difficult. But, um, and I said, secondly, he wouldn't have to share. He would just multiply it, and there would be enough chicken McNuggets for everyone in the room, and there would still be some left over. So, it's like, you try to say, what would Jesus do? But that, that did not work for that middle schooler in that situation. Um, but so, we, we asked that question, like, what would Jesus do? And so, we're going to continue our series this morning um, that asked the question, what would Jesus undo? If Jesus were to look at our lives and the lives of Christians in general, like, what would he undo? What change would he, would he make? Um, so, today we're going to look at a behavior or attitude that Jesus absolutely hated, he couldn't stand. Um, and that's the behavior we call hypocrisy. And so I know that's a very like word that we don't like to hear, we don't like to talk about. And generally when we hear hypocrisy, um, the things that come to mind are, are other people that we know. Um, we think, oh yeah, man, them. Like whether it's someone that you work with or someone that you knew growing up or, or whatever, there's other people that come to mind other than ourselves. So this kind of a, um, a touchy subject, so I really want to ease into it. Um, so to share a little bit more about me and about my life and my experiences, um, I went to college at Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee, and um, one of the things that I loved about Belmont and loved about Nashville um, is it's in Nashville, which is like the music capital. Um, and so there are all kinds of, of concerts and um, things like that that I could go to. There was always music, people that I knew, um, you know, loved the same music as me and, and all of that. And so I'll go to concerts at least once or twice a week. Um, before you make any assumptions about me and the kind of music that I listen to, because I lived in Nashville and I'm from Alabama, so before you make any assumptions, let me tell you, I hate country music. Like, like, like with, with a passion, whenever I hear it, I like cover up my ears and, and I cringe and it's like my kryptonite. Um, so I hate country music. If you like country music, no offense, but I just absolutely cannot stand it. So those weren't the concerts I went to. Um, I didn't go to the concerts, but in Nashville there's a lot of other music. Um, my musical taste was, was mostly like indie music. Um, throughout college and even a little bit now that I'm older, um, I was what you might call a music snob. And so I was like that guy that I didn't listen to the radio and you know, if there's a band that I listened to that was on the radio, I would tell myself and I would tell other people, I listened to them before they were popular. I listened to them before anyone knew who they were. Like I was, I was what you would call that guy um, when it came to music. Um, so I went to, we didn't call them concerts because they were more like, indie bands, like we call, them, we call them shows. And so I went to shows like all the time. Um, I met a lot of people, um, different types of people at shows. Many of them were Christians. Um, but I also met many people who um, didn't know Jesus. Um, and so I felt like as a Christian, I was, I was called to try to share my faith with them. Um, and so I would um, kind of awkwardly try to start conversations about Jesus. Um, and far too often, the response I got was, I'm an atheist, or, you know, I don't believe in God, or I want absolutely nothing to do with Christianity. 
And the reason that they, that they gave me was every Christian I know is a hypocrite. That was the response I got, or like, you know, I had experience and, and they're all hypocrites. I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, or um, I hate Christianity and I want nothing to do with it. And so I heard that far too often. Um, and the hard thing for me is I knew that far too often that was true, and so I really didn't have much of a response for them. Um, and so I would just kind of have to say, like, I'm sorry you feel that way, and then we would, we would you know, move on. Um, and sometimes they say, like, oh, but, you know, you're really nice, and it's like, yeah, but still, like, that's not, not, not the point. And so... Um, I love how Brendan Manning describes hypocrisy. He says, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lives, or with their lips, then walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. This is what the unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. So I want to read that again. The single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips then walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. Um, I mean, that's a pretty intense thing, thing to say. Um, and I think there's, there's definitely some truth to that. So one thing that Jesus would definitely undo in our lives is hypocrisy. So before we we go for, further and, and dive right into what hypocrisy is, I want to answer the question of what hypocrisy is not. Um, so hypocrisy um, is not the difference between what we do and what we wish we did. Hypocrisy is not the difference between how we behave and how we wish we behaved. It's not um, like, I wish I didn't have bad thoughts, or I wish I didn't say that, or I wish that um, I hadn't done that or, or anything like that. What that is, that's just sin. Um, that's not hypocrisy. So there's a big difference between sinning, making mistakes, and being hypocritical. Hypocrisy is the gap between what we show and who we really are. It's the difference between what we say and how we live. Um, it's the difference between our public persona and our private lives. Um, and so, what would Jesus undo? Jesus would undo the show when the real life isn't consistent with what we show on the outside. In fact, whenever Jesus would rail against hypocrisy, there's a Greek word that, you, that he used all the time, and it was uh, pronounced hypocrites. And so it even sounds basically like, like hypocrite. Um, and so what it means is an actor or a stage player. It means someone who hides behind a mask. Um, in fact, if you've seen any of the Greek plays or whatever on, um, in real life or on movies or TV, um, the Hippocrates were, were literally like the masks that you would wear. Um, and so because I'm a youth pastor, I have random things in my office that normal pastors wouldn't necessarily have. So I have some masks here um, that I found all in my office. So I have a, a few different masks and I want to kind of use them to um, illustrate some of the different masks that we might wear um, as Christians. So obviously if I were to walk around always wearing a mask, it would be really awkward and people would probably turn and run the other way, right? If I'm standing here and I walk up like, hi, how are you? You would just kind of like 
flinch and walk away. But I think sometimes we still wear these um, without knowing it or without admitting it. So one person is a person who portrays themselves as a perfect Christian who does nothing wrong, and they look down on other people who um, have different struggles or different sins. Maybe they say, I can't believe that they did that, or they shouldn't do that, or they shouldn't, or you know, I can't believe they did that, but I would never do that. When in reality, they hide um, from the world around them, they hide their struggles, their secret addictions, their sin, their pain, and they hide that from the world around them because they want other people to think, you know what, I'm perfect and, and you're not. And so they kind of look down on people who have those struggles that they actually have themselves. Another example of a hypocrite is someone who might be happy on the outside and they're praising God and showing joy to people around them when in reality they're fighting with their spouse on the way to church or um, they're gossiping about other people when they're not around. Um, and a, a third example that I have to say, and I'm going to use uh, the Darth Vader as the real person, but the actual face is the mask. Maybe they um, come to church and they're what you might call a Sunday Christian. You know, on Sundays or whenever they step foot at the church, they are, you know, a happy person. They're a great person who, you know, they say, hey, well, I'm, in, I'm in love with Jesus. I'm doing amazing things for God. But then when they leave the church, um, that's when their true self comes forward. And, and they're like not a Christian at all. They don't show it through their lives um, at all or in the things that they say or the things that they do. Um, so those are a few different masks that, that we might wear. And this is what Jesus hated. Um, it's from on the outside they would show one thing, but on the inside they were completely, completely different. Um, in fact, Paul has uh, one verse that for me best, res best represents what hypocrisy is. Uh, he says in Titus 1.16, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, they are disobedient, um, and they're unfit for doing anything good. So let me repeat that. It says they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny God. They're detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. So Jesus, he hated this. He hated this whole idea. And he talked very directly about what hypocrisy was. He said, anytime that you're trying to be seen, anytime you're being generous just so that other people can see your generosity or you're praying so that other people can see you praying, these are things that the Pharisees did. Um, he said, it's hypocrisy. Um, in Matthew 23, we find uh, what is called the seven woes. Um, and so he says over and over, woe to you who live like this, or woe to you who say this, or woe to you who do this. So we're going to look at a couple of them um, specifically. But throughout this chapter, Jesus calls the Pharisees hypocrites, sons of hell, blind guides, fools, robbers, self-indulgent, whitewashed tombs, snakes, vipers, persecutors, and murderers. These are a lot of very like intense accusations. He wasn't saying, hey, you know what, you make mistakes sometimes, or hey, you know what, you shouldn't have said that or shouldn't have done that. Like He is calling them out completely for everything that they say, everything they do, and who he believes that they are. And if Jesus believes that you are that, then that is what you are. Um, so in verse 27 and 28, he says, woe to you, 
teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. What Jesus is telling them is he's telling them, you're playing actors. You're wearing masks that show you as perfect and as beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you are ungodly and you are full of deadness. You put on a show to everyone else, but the reality is, is that you are dirty and you are not the person that you want other people to see you as. So what is the hypocrite? The hypocrite is the one who wants to look good on the outside, but on the inside, we're so far from God that sometimes we don't even know it. Um, we want the illusion of public virtue, but inwardly we're full of our private vices. Um, what's so interesting to me is this, is Jesus didn't say, woe to you who say bad words, or woe to you who make mistakes, or woe to you who did something you shouldn't have done, or woe to you who watched something on TV you shouldn't have watched, or woe to you who you know, made mistakes or did any of these things. He's saying, woe to you who sin but act like you don't. Woe to you who put on the show. Not woe to you who are imperfect, but woe to you who are imperfect but act like you're not. Craig Rochelle says that social media is the breeding ground for hypocrisy. It's the place that you show other people who you want them to think that you are, when in reality, you or your life may be so much different. So chances are people aren't gonna post pictures about the recent fight they have with their spouse. They're not gonna be arguing with their spouse and pull out their phone and say, hey, let's add this to our Instagram story. You know, they're not gonna be, they're not gonna do that. They're not gonna post, you know, pictures um, of just their coffee and say in the caption, like, this is me not reading my Bible again, or this is me just drinking coffee without God. Like, they're not gonna say that. Instead, they're gonna, you know, post the pictures of them, you know, with their, their best friends or with their family or, you know, the perfect selfie with their, their husband, you know, when the wife has like the perfect smile and the husband has the awkward smile because he really doesn't know how to have a good smile, which is the case for, for me, without a doubt, and probably for many of you as well. You know, that's what, they're, that's what they're gonna post. They want you to see, um, you know, them being close with family or close with God or the good parts of their life. Um, I was tempted to show a clip from a video, but I'll just kind of share it with you. There's a kind of a comedic video um, online. It's called Christian Girl Instagram, and it's basically like advertising a book um, that teaches how to like post the best Instagram stories of you uh, in your time with Jesus. And so, you know, it kind of jokes about like, well, hey, you know, if you do all this, then you spend 45 minutes preparing for your picture and then like two minutes of actually like reading your Bible and, and, and things like that. And that's kind of what we sometimes might um, present because that's what we want them to see. Um, and so we don't show our frustrations with, with job or emotional pains. We portray things as awesome. It's like the Lego movie where they sing the song, like, everything is awesome. Um, when in reality, you know what? Like, we all have struggles. We all have pain in our life. We have things that, um, 
that happen. We have ways that we stray away from God that, um, you know, that we shouldn't be, but we have to be ready to um, admit that to ourselves um, really, and to others. So hypocrisy isn't just presenting ourselves on the outside as perfect when we are in pain. It's also casting judgment on other people because they're different than us. Um, so I really want to go back to the quote um, that we talked about earlier from Brennan Manning and go into some specific um, situations that, that this could really be true. Um, he says, again, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. These are Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. So as Christians, and whether we like this or not, I think this is how it is. As Christians, we have um, some higher expectations for, for our lives and for how we act because when we say that we're a Christian, people are going to be watching us. And people are going to be, you know, when they see us, especially if they don't know very many Christians, when they see us, what they see from us is their view of Christianity. And it's what their view is of God and what it means to be a Christian. Um, and so we are held to a higher standard. Um, you know, people think that ministers are held to a higher standard, which is true. But really, anyone who publicly says, like, I'm a Christian, people are watching, whether we uh, realize it or not or whether we like it or not. And so when we don't show Christ through our lives, we can cause pain. We can cause pain to the people around us. Um, especially people who don't know Jesus or don't know if they want to be a part of that. Um, so many of the people I met in Nashville who said that they were atheists or wanting no wanted nothing to do with Christianity or religion, um, I think it felt some pain. I think they had, they had really been, been hurt probably because of the way that Christians treated them. Um, and there's some different kind of theories I have on maybe some different situations. Um, and so maybe they went to church when they were younger and were rejected by other students or, or a student pastor or, or adults in the church. Um, I think it, it's, um, especially in the South, it was, it's very rough with, with judgment within the church, and I think it can be, really be the case anywhere. Um, there was a student when I was in high school who um, his parents were, were struggling and were getting ready to get a divorce, and around that same time, he, uh, he got his ear pierced. And um, I'm sitting behind him one Sunday morning, and I hear a couple of adults that were sitting a, a few seats down. They um, looked at each other, and they were whispering, and they just shook their head, and they said, he's just changed. He's just so different. It's like, he has a hole in his ear. Like, he's not, you know, you're judging him just because of one thing that might be, might be odd to you. And so I think some of these people um, that I met in college I mean, they, some of them were different. Some of them had, you know, tattoos or piercings or were just a little odd anyway. I mean, because a lot of us are, are odd and have our, you know, weird things. But I think that there's a good chance that they had been judged and they had been criticized by people um, in the church. Or maybe they were just looked down upon. Or maybe they simply saw Christians in their life that... Um, that had been hypocritical or had been mean or said, hey, I'm a Christian, but nothing that they did was any different than anyone else. Um, because when you see, you know, people who say they aren't Christians, but they're very nice, and then you see people who, 
say they are, but they're not, then it's like, why would I even want to be that? Um, and so, not only is hypocrisy in judging other people, but I think there's hypocrisy in judging other churches um, or other Christians. Also, when I was in Nashville, I, uh, I interned at two different churches. Both of them were Baptist churches, but both of them were also very different. Um, one of them was, was a little bit more, um, more modern, more like loud music, a little more energy, um, and it had, you know, like chairs and, and things like that. We had theater seating. And then uh, the second church that I was at had, you know, it was more traditional, had hymns, was, um, you know, more older people, more um, just a little bit different environment. But I would hear people um, at, my, at my second church, I would just be walking around and I would hear them say um, things about my previous church. And they didn't know that I had been there. Only a couple of people knew that I had gone there. And so I would hear them say, um, you know, that church, they're just, they're just so liberal. They're just not following Jesus. And so me being the, you know, person that I was, I would just kind of like slide over and say, really, like, why do you, why do you say that? And so they're always like kind of surprised because even though I'm tall and loud and normally have keys jingling around, like somehow they didn't know that I was there. And so I would kind of step in and I would say, why do you say that? And then they would all just kind of awkwardly look at me and I always got the same answer no matter who I asked. And the answer was, we had friends that went there and they left. Okay, so you're making judgment and spreading rumors about another church simply because you had friends that left. And so I think when we judge other churches, especially based on things that we've heard and that's been gossip, then we are being hypocritical because we're judging them for something that we don't even know about. And we're foreseeing ourselves as, hey, we're great, we are the right church, but you know, they're not, they're terrible. When really all Christians and all churches you know, have some mistakes of their own that we need to work past. Um, so a third form of hypocrisy that came to mind, and I think this is um, probably the case for, um, for many of us, um, is when we judge, when we as Christians judge other people on social media. And so this kind of goes back to Craig Rochelle's um, talk about um, like Facebook and Instagram, social media being like the breeding ground for, for hypocrisy. Um, there are some people who are a little bit more open um, about their struggles and maybe they ask questions on Facebook. Um, or on Instagram, and it's, it's easy for us just to kind of look and immediately cast judgment on them or laugh at them or, or things like that because of how open um, they are. So maybe you're a part of uh, Granby Living on Facebook simply so that you can laugh at the ridiculous posts, and some of them honestly are very ridiculous and very entertaining, um, yet at the same time, um, sometimes in laughing at those and, um, and things, we're also casting judgment on other people because of um, you know, how they're, they're putting themselves out there. Um, and so, um, one of the, and, and really I think there's two forms of hypocrisy or two levels, but neither one of them are, are good. And on one level, um, it's when you kind of do that to yourself or just with your, you know, with your, wife or family or friends, but 
Um, I think we also can fall into the idea that social media isn't real life. And so maybe we post comments or, um, you know, criticize or laugh or whatever on there. Um, and then we are tearing them down and casting judgment on them. And we have to understand, even through social media, we can cause pain in people's life because it is real life. So when we judge other people, whether it's in real life or social media or judging other Christians or judging people because they're different than us, um, those can be major forms of hypocrisy. So Jesus would undo a spirit of hypocrisy when what we show is different than who we are. I want all of us to be open about what God is trying to show you about yourself. I think there's some, some degree of hypocrisy in all of us, but there is hope. So Jesus shows in verses 25 and 26 of, uh, of Matthew's gospel with the seven woes. He says this, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He says, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but on the inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You're showing the show, but you don't have any substance. What he says is this. He says, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will be clean. So we have to first let the Spirit of God do work internally where no one else sees us. We have to first let him work when internally you're being conformed to the image of Christ. The Spirit of God is working within you. Then the Lord's, and then God's word is transforming you. Then out of an overflow you're becoming, or of who you're becoming, you will display the goodness of God as a reflection of his work internally, not as an act to fool people on the outside. But it begins with true spiritual work on the inside. So I kind of stumbled over some of that, so let me read it again just to make sure get it out there. Um, when internally you're being conformed to the image of Christ, when the Spirit is working within you, when God's Word is transforming you, then out of an overflow of who you're becoming, you will display the goodness of God as a reflection of His work internally. Not as an act to fool people on the outside, but it begins with the true spiritual work on the inside. So church, we don't close the gap to perfection simply in our actions. It's not all about what we do. It, we close the gap to perfection with Jesus Christ and the work he does in our lives. There's only a certain level that we can get to on our own, but when Jesus is in our lives, that is when we become the followers of Christ that we need to be. It's easy for us to think that we're not hypocrites at all because um, you know, we can think of other people. When we hear hypocrite, we think, of specific people um, in our lives who, who are maybe more than, than we want to admit that we are. Um, so I think the Pharisees were probably doing the same thing. They saw and they looked for flaws in other people, and that's when they said, oh, well, they're hypocrites. They do this because they're always looking for flaws in other people rather than looking for flaws in themselves. Jesus has a zero tolerance for hypocrisy. He just can't, he can't stomach it. He absolutely hates it but he has an unlimited grace for a sinner in need of forgiveness. Jesus can't stomach the show. He hates, he hates the masks. He hates when we wear those. But when anyone's hurting, when they drop the mask, when they say, hey, I'm done with that, I'm through, and they go to Jesus and ask for his, for his forgiveness and for his peace, 
he always redeems us and he always says yes. So because he didn't come for those who appear to be righteous. He didn't come for people who wore the mask and who said out front, yes, I am righteous, God, you know, I am yours. He came for those who said, God, I need you. He has, toler he has no tolerance for show, but he has unlimited grace for the sinner in need of grace and repentance. So I want us all to um, understand how, how difficult and how painful hypocrisy can be for other people. Um, but I also want to kind of walk us through some ways to um, ask God for, for direction here. Um, in Psalm 139, David prays in this prayer, and I'd ask you to um, just invite, I invite you to join me uh, in praying this and really asking God for this in your life. Um, David asks the question, he says, search me, God, know my heart. And then he says, test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way inside of me. He said, and lead me in the way of the everlasting. He says, search me, God. So let me read this again. I, I love what David is saying here because he's basically opening up his entire life to God. He's opening his heart and saying, God, show me what it is in my life that needs to change. Show me what needs to be different. And he says, search me, know my heart. Test me in my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way inside of me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Um, when we ask God those questions, that's when we're really opening ourselves up and saying, God, I, I want to know what needs to change. And so when we do that, that's when our lives really begin to change and he is able to um, transform us because we're asking and we're asking him for it. So let me pray for us and then um, we'll move forward. But I really want us all to kind of ask ourselves those questions. And it's a hard question. I'll tell you, it's a hard question to ask. But that's something we really need to look through. So as a church, we are those who can, who can lead and help comfort people rather than, rather than judging them and tearing them down. You God, I pray that we will no longer be like the Pharisees, that I pray that you will search our hearts and that you'll show us what it is that, that we need to do to grow in our, in our lives and grow in our relationship with you so that we can be um, your children who, who lead and who lead by example um, and who can help direct the lives of the people around us um, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I pray that we will not be um, not just our church, but um, Christians in, in our country and in our world today, that we will not be the Christians who, who bring about um, atheism and disbelief in other people, but we will be the, the Christians who who lead and who bring other people um, to you as we continue to grow and as you continue to transform us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.